The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast are now presented by the SGPN Free Roll Football Contest. Join our free season-long pick'em with up to $3,000 in prizes and a Super Bowl autographed SGP helmet up for grabs. Sign up link in the SGPN app. We're also brought to you by Game Time. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase to save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play the Underdog Pick'em in college or NFL and win up to 20 times your money in one game. Use promo code SGPN and Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. We're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. And use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 in any NFL game. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. And welcome everybody to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. And Eric, it is currently early Tuesday morning, September 5th. And I'm your host as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the quarterfinals in the U.S. Open. So looking forward to breaking down those four matches on this episode. But before we get into that, I do want to recap what happened over the last couple of days in the round of 16, both for the matches themselves as well as for our picks. Starting off with the lock and dog picks ended up sweeping. Uh, for the lock, we had the over three and a half sets in the Rublev and Draper match at minus 160. I still can't believe the line was that short. I know 160 sounded juicy, but it really wasn't. I thought it should have been closer to minus 200, and it got there as they split the first two sets. I did think Draper would give Rublev a bigger run for his money, but Draper ended up peaking in the second set. Good enough for us as that ended up going four. And as for the dog, ended up having the underdog. We had Arnaldi plus the nine and a half games, an alternative spread there at plus 130, and that got there pretty easily as Alcaraz ended up winning 6-3, 6-3, 6-4. Went the way that I thought it would. I thought Alcaraz would win in straight sets, but I thought that Arnaldi for a spread of nine and a half, all he had to do was not totally embarrass himself out there, and he did. He played relatively well. Alcaraz was better, duh, and you ended up seeing Arnaldi cover. Plus 130, though, was a great line, and we capitalized. So overall, ended up sweeping, and that kind of set the tone for the overall episode because it was one of the best episodes I've ever had, and I know we've had a lot of good episodes over the years, but we got virtually everything right from the round of 16 matches. So we didn't get everything right, but for eight matches that we talked about, we Got, I want to say, close to like 90% of it right. Uh, just to actually go through the matches, starting off with the Sunday matches there, we once again basically swept the board on a Sunday. So starting off with the first match on Sunday, we did lean to the over in the Shelton and Paul match. We liked the games on the over that got there. I thought Paul would win probably in five sets, but the point is the match did go over. That was our main play. Shelton, simply put, was serving very well. Paul had chances early on, couldn't capitalize, and Shelton took advantage of his opportunities in route to a nice four-set win. Should have probably won in straight sets, but Shelton fell apart at the end of the third. Did us a favor as the match went over, so got that pick right. Then for Tiafa with Chikata, I thought Tiafa would bury Hitchikata, and then Hitchikata was fortunate to be here because his previous two opponents with Zhang and with Fuksovics were exhausted from five setters in the previous round, and Hichikata ended up getting buried, so got that pick right as well. I believe Tiafa was even money to win in straight sets, which got there. Uh, then for the match after, we were fans of Stricker throughout the entire tournament, but we did acknowledge how good Fritz looked in the first couple rounds, and we liked Fritz in straight sets. Any one in straight sets at around minus 105 was close, but Fritz got it done. So once again, ended up winning with that pick. And then we did get the last match wrong 
on a Sunday. But to be fair, I don't really know where the value play was. There really wasn't, there were not many options when Djokovic is a massive favorite against a relative unknown. We lean to Gojo to win a set at plus 260, give or take. Had a chance there. It was up a break in the second set. Like two of the sets were respectable. Lost two sets, five, seven, and four, six. So I'm not going to once again uh, get mad that we lost a play there. There were really no valuable plays because Djokovic in straight sets was like minus 350. There was really nothing to work with. So I didn't recommend really betting anything for that match, but I did lean to Gojo to win a set for the value. And he had some chances. Unfortunately, the serve let him down when he was up a break in the second set. But if you're up a break and you can't hold it, but you're getting plus 260 to win a set, it's good value. Just didn't work out. So that was our first quote-unquote loss of the round. And then moving into the matches for Monday, once again, we hit the ground running. As we had the Lock and Dogs cash in the first two matches for the uh, Tuesday card because we had Arnaldi plus the games which got there. I also gave out 10.5 on YouTube instead of the 9.5, and, and that got there. And then I gave out, once again for the lock, the over 3.5 sets in the Draper and Rublev match, which got there. Then for the night matches, the first one didn't go as well. We did a link to Dimonauer on the money line at around 2-1 to one because he had won the last two matches on hard court. Did win the first set, ended up losing in four. I'd say we got that one wrong, but once again, I thought it would be competitive and... It, they did split the first two sets, but then Mevita figured it out, and Dimonauer kind of just completely, I don't want to say fell apart, but he just got dismantled. Really no other way around it. And then for the late night match, we did very well with that one. We had Sinner to win, and we also had each player to win a set. And when you join Sinner to win with both players to win a set, that paid out at around plus 200, which was a nice dog to wrap up the card. So overall, once again, a great episode. In eight matches, we hit our best play in six of the eight. And we even had some uh, potentially big underdogs uh, for props cash. Uh, so that worked out well. But to break down some of the matches that I kind of skimmed over there, mostly the Zverev-Sinner match, it was exactly what I thought. I thought you'd see a war breakout. And even though I picked Sinner initially to face off against Alcaraz in the bracket in the quarterfinals, I did switch to Zverev in the episode for the round of 16 because I just thought that Zverev was in better form and I thought that Sinner, once again, in historical matches, in, his, in uh, longer matches in his career, he's really not done well in the marathons. If you really want to think about all the marathon matches he's been in, how many can you think of that he's actually won? Because he beat Avashka in a five-setter, I believe it was last year, on hard court in the U.S. Open. But you're going through the recent matches. He got he lost to Alcaraz in that five-set marathon in the U.S. Open. He lost earlier this year in a five-setter in the French Open to uh, Hootie, against Altmaier. You can date even back to the Wimbledon match against Djokovic in five. He lost that one. There's not many matches. You have this one as well where he lost to Zverev. How many marathon matches has, has Sinner been on the right side of in his career? Not many. And I feel like I don't know if that's a criticism or the fact that once again he just ends up being on the short end of the stick but Sinner's really not done a great job of winning these 50 uh, these 50 50 matches in his career and I wanted to at least acknowledge it but Zverev was in good form and I thought that his consistency would just wear down Sinner over these five sets and both guys were exhausted physically they barely made it to the finish line but Sinner did start to cramp 
a little bit towards the end of the match, and uh, Zverev ended up getting an early break in the fifth, held on, and got the job done. But that match was pretty even. Match took four hours and 41 minutes. Thought it would be a war, and it was, but Zverev was on the right side. So once again, a great overall episode for the round of 16. Uh, I do want to also mention that in the Zverev match, you had a bit of everything because you had a lot of drama, you had a lot of breaks of serve, you had a lot of deuces, a five-setter, so you had a lot of overall games of tennis being played, and most importantly, you had a hit or catchphrase being said by the crowd as somebody uttered Hitler's signature phrase. To be honest, I have no idea what the phrase is. I'm assuming it involves something with like power to Germany or some type of German like nationalist statement. I don't know. But some fan said some type of slogan that I guess was used by Hitler back in the day. And then you had a, a, a couple of minutes delay there as security had to find out who said it. And they threw the guy out of the arena. Now, I did not know what was happening at the time. But apparently somebody decided in the middle of a tennis match with Zverev playing, you know what it's a good time for? Hit or catch phrases. So that's how that went. So they threw the guy out of the arena. Once again, had a bit of everything in there. Fun match in general. But I cannot say I've ever seen a delay because of a hit or slogan being said in the middle of a tennis match. So there you go. That's the uh, bingo. If you have that on your bingo card, you're doing pretty well. But either way, time to transition over into the... Uh, quarterfinals here, starting off with the Tuesday slate, two matches spaced out pretty far apart. The way that I understand the overall formatting, you're going to have the first women's match at noon. You're going to have the first men's match at 1.15 Eastern time. Then you have a pretty long gap as you have no actual starting matches from 1.15 to 7 o'clock. Now, once again, the Fritz-Djokovic match might take a while, but that's a long time of gap in between the day matches and the night matches, which I find pretty interesting. I thought they would move the Fritz and Djokovic match to later in the afternoon, probably around like 2-3 o'clock, but they decided for 1-15, which I find kind of interesting. So there's going to be a bit of a dead zone there in between the morning matches and the afternoon matches, so or the evening matches. So you might get some fun tennis early on, and then suddenly you're waiting like two, three hours for the tennis to resume, which I find pretty weird, but I wanted to mention it because I thought the scheduling was a bit weird. But either way, the Fritz match is going to be the first men's match against Djokovic at around 1.15. Then Tiafo and Shelton is the late match at around 8.15. So that should be fun. But starting off with the Fritz and Djokovic match, Djokovic is a massive favorite at around minus 700. You have Fritz the other way at plus 525. The over-under for the full match is 24 and a half. Overs minus 120, the unders even money. If you want the spread, you can get Djokovic minus 6.5 games at minus 115, and Fritz plus 6.5 games at minus 105. Match to go four sets or more, so the over 3.5 sets is minus 120. Under 3.5 sets is a minus 110. If you also want to go with Djokovic winning straight sets, you can find that at plus 110. Fritz to win a set is minus 140. Match to go four sets, or match to go five sets, I mean, is plus 375. So to go through the head-to-head, Djokovic has owned Fritz and has really not been close. They also faced off in Cincinnati, and Djokovic won comfortably as he won that one in straight sets. Now, 7-0 to the head-to-head, definitely you're going to look at Djokovic to win. I'm not going to tell you Fritz is going to win. I'm not going to make the case. If you're expecting me to, apologies, but Fritz has one match in his career where he won a set, and that was in the Australian Open back in 2021, but that's it. 
Djokovic has won comfortably in Cincinnati. He won 6-0-6-4. So if you want to use the recency bias there, Djokovic should win comfortably. However, Fritz has been playing great tennis, probably the best tennis he's played in a while because he has not dropped a set so far in this event. In fact, in the first three rounds, he did not lose more than two games in a single set. That changed in the fourth round as all the all three sets were close against Stricker, 7-6, 6-4, But he has won every set. So he's 12-0 in sets in this event. As for Djokovic, he ended up winning in three against Gojo, but he did go to five sets against Dejir in the third round. He also was down a break once again in that second set against Gojo, so he had to overcome some adversity for a set in that match. Now, do I think Djokovic is going to lose? No. I said that before. Now, do I think once again you're looking at a blowout? Not necessarily, because Fritz has been playing good tennis. I am wondering how crowd support's going to be, because Djokovic has always been a, I don't want to say a villain towards crowds, but crowds tend to give him less support than the other legends of the sport, whether it involves like Federer or Nadal for comparison. Plus, he's against an American, so I do wonder how the American support's going to unfold in this match. They're probably going to root for Djokovic, but they're probably going to root for Fritz early on because they're expecting Djokovic to bury him. But I do think Fritz can win a set here. I think that when you're looking at Djokovic's form, he's been good, but he has had some lapses at times, and the second serve of his has kind of let him down. Decent amount of double faults, and I do think that Fritz has enough firepower to capitalize on the weak second serve that Djokovic has shown in this event. Now, Fritz has had issues holding serve against Djokovic, but he does have a good first serve in general. But I do think the slower courts in the U.S. Open have actually suited Fritz's play style. And I do think that Fritz can, once again, steal a set in this match. Now, is he going to win? Once again, no. I'm not saying that. But I do think that Djokovic can lose focus for a set, maybe 20 minutes, and Fritz steals one. But I am actually going to lean to the over three and a half sets at around minus 120. Now, I do think if you want to look for the best prop available for this match... I do think there's value on Djokovic to actually win with each player winning a set. And to go through the price on that one, Djokovic to win with each player winning a set, that does give you around plus 120. I can shop around and try to find a better line, but I do think you're going to end up seeing Fritz have a moment in this match where he makes it interesting on the scoreboard, whether it's a breaker, whether it's a competitive 6-4. Point is, I don't think Djokovic is going to simply put run through him like a hot knife through butter. I think you're going to see a closer match in terms of the score. But of course, Djokovic will be on the right side of it by the end of the three to five sets. But for the sake of my picks for this match, I'm going to lean to the over in games at around 34 and a half. I am going to go with Fritz to win a set at around minus 140. But I will go with Djokovic to win with each player winning a set. And that and the best price on that is currently on Caesars at plus 128. So I do think, once again, fun match, but you will see Fritz win a set in this quarterfinal match. So moving on to the late night match between two Americans, you have Shelton taking on Tiafo. And for this match, Tiafo's a decent favorite at minus 255. Shelton's plus 215. As for the over-under, it is around 39.5 at minus 115. To the over, the under is minus 105. You can find 38.5. The over is at minus 130. Under is at even money. And if you want to go for some games here, uh, Shelton plus 4.5 is minus 120. Tiafo minus 4.5 is even money. 
Uh, Tiafa minus three and a half games is minus 135. The underdog here, Shelton, plus three and a half games is plus 105. If you want four sets or more, over three and a half sets is minus 180. I saw 210 on FanDuel, so there is a pretty big price disparity between offshore and regular. And if you do want the match to go five sets, you can find that at plus 240. Tiafo minus one and a half sets is minus 125. Shelton plus one and a half sets is minus 105. And Shelton to win a set, minus 275. Tiafo to win in straight sets is plus 215. Now, this match is interesting because even though they are young Americans, they've never faced off against each other before. And both players have looked pretty good. Now, Tiafo has been a lot more comfortable. He's only dropped one set in this in this tournament to Manorino. However, you look at the actual competition, and yeah, he hasn't really faced off against anybody. Beat Tien, who's a relative unknown in the first round, then ended up having a pretty easy match against Offner in the second round. Offner is more of a clay court specialist. Then faced off against Manorino. Never easy, and that went to four sets, and that match went over the total for that one. And then for the fourth round, beat Hitchikata. I thought Tiafo would bury him, but Hitchikata is not a good server either. So Tiafo's faced off against a lot of guys who really can't serve, and now he's going up against Shelton, who hit 149 in the, twice in the same service game against Paul. So easily a step up in serving quality, and you're looking at the actual service numbers for both players. They've been really good. In fact, the numbers are identical. Each player... Tiafo and Shelton have had 60 service games in the U.S. Open. They've held serve in 53 of the 60, which is equal to 88%. So each guy is holding at about an 88% rate. And you're looking at a total of around 39.5 and potentially 38.5 if you want to buy it down. But you're looking at tiebreaker in the match being minus 255. You're looking at over 3.5 sets once again being minus 180 or minus 210. I see a marathon here. I think Tiafo is probably going to win because I think that Tiafo is the better overall player. But Shelton is not going to back down from anybody. And we know that Shelton is going to go down swinging. The firepower that he has can give Tiafo problems. Tiafo is also a bit of a head case, so he can have a mental lapse here and there and drop a set. I think it probably goes four or five, but you're looking at how I think this match plays out. Not many breaks, probably at least one tiebreaker. And I do think that Shelton and Tiafo will each win at least one set in this match. So I'm going to lean to the over. Now, for the sake of the overall match itself, I think Tiafo should be a decent favorite because this is probably the biggest match of Shelton's career. I know he made a deep run in the Australian Open, but it is different to face off against an American in your home country compared to in Australia. And I do think because of that, maybe Shelton feels some nerves. I don't think so. Because Shelton has, once again, gone down swinging in the past. And I don't think suddenly Shelton's going to feel the nerves here. But I do think he'll break through for a set. I think Tiafo probably wins. If you want to cut into some of that juice, you can get Tiafo to win and each player to win a set. And it is available at plus 125. So that's probably the way I'd go if I wanted to find a nice value play on Tiafo. Minus one and a half sets and minus 115 is interesting, or minus 125 is interesting, but I don't think there's enough meat on that bone because I can see it going five, but I really do think Tiafo's going to win because he has been there before, he has made a U.S. Open semi, and he also has played a night match in the U.S. Open, so that's going to definitely work out for him because he's been there before and he's used to the atmosphere. But I will go with the over, and I will go with Tiafo to win, with each player winning a set at plus 125. As for the matches on Wednesday, 
You have two pretty interesting ones. You have a matchup between two very good friends in the opener. You have Medvedev and Rublev taking each other on. They have not officially announced the times yet. I'd be shocked if Alcaraz was not the late match. So we're assuming Medvedev-Rublev will be the opener for Wednesday. Now, for the actual odds in this match, Medvedev is a decent favorite, rightfully so. He's around minus 250, and Rublev is around plus 200 the other way. As for the actual spread for this match, Medvedev is around minus 3.5 at minus 120. Rublev is plus 3.5 at even money. If you want to look at the total, the over-under is at 39.5, minus 110 on both sides. If you want to also look at some alternatives here, you can find Rublev plus two and a half games at plus 130. Medvedev minus two and a half games at minus 160. Over 38 and a half at minus 130. Under for that one's even money. If you want over three and a half sets, you can find that at minus 160. And if you want five sets, you can find that at plus 250. Medvedev minus one and a half sets is minus 135. Rublev plus one and a half sets is a plus 105. If you want two and a half sets, Medvedev to win in straight sets is plus 200. Now, for the head-to-head, Medvedev has been really, really good against Rublev. He is 5-2. and two. Now, to go through the recent matchups, Rublev did win in the ATP Finals last year in hard court. That went to a three-set marathon a super uh, final set tiebreaker there. Rublev did win 6-7, 6-3, 7-6. was in kind of bad form there, but Rublev did win. However... Uh, Medvedev did win the last match in Dubai in the final. He buried Rublev, won 6-2, 6-2. So I do think looking at this overall match, Medvedev has looked sharper. The issue with Medvedev is he has had a couple of mental lapses throughout some matches, mostly against O'Connell and even against Baez. It seems like the third set when he's up 2-0 has given him some problems. He has fallen behind a, a, by a break in those matches. Should have beaten O'Connell. He was up a break and pretty heavily and then choked away the third set but bounced back to win in four. That's the only set that he ended up dropping before the round of 16 match against Dimenauer. Dimenauer had given him issues in the matches they fa- they had earlier this year, but Medvedev broke through and responded very well after losing the first set and winning in four. The overall speed in the U.S. Open courts has been surprisingly slow, and it has benefited Medvedev. Now, looking at Rublev, he's been good, but once again, he has dropped sets to weaker competition. Dropped a set against Monfi, dropped a set against Rinderknecht, dropped a set against Draper. So I think Medvedev should win. Now, the question is, do I think that Rublev is going to win a set? Probably, but I think that once again, Rublev will not win two sets in this match. So I think my play is going to be Medvedev minus one and a half sets at minus 135. Rublev has been good, not great. Medvedev, for the most part, has been great. He's had a couple of bad moments, but he's been really good in general. And I do think that Rublev is susceptible to unforced errors. Medvedev will keep the ball in play. And because of the slowness of the courts, it will be harder for Rublev to overpower Medvedev and hit the ball past him. And with that being the case, Medvedev might get extra balls in play, which should result in more unforced errors for Rublev. I think Medvedev is going to take it probably in four. So I will go with Medvedev minus one and a half sets at minus 135 as my favorite play. Now, as for the late match, this is the interesting one because you have Alcaraz as a massive favorite at minus 450. Zverev is plus 333. If you want the spread, Alcaraz minus five and a half games is minus 120. Zverev plus five and a half games is also minus 120. Now, for the total number of games in this match, the over-under is set at 36 and a half. 
over and under are both at minus 120. Uh, Alcaraz to win in straight sets is a plus 150. Alcaraz to win with each player to win a set is a plus 120. Zverev to win with each player to win a set is plus 400. Now, to go through the head-to-head between these players and not many matchups in their careers, they did face off in the French Open a couple of years ago, and Zverev actually won in four sets against Alcaraz. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm once again, uh, Zverev is not going to be afraid of Alcaraz in this moment. The question is, is it going to matter because Zverev had a borderline five-hour match against Sinner in the last round, and I don't know if he's going to be able to recover. Now, they faced off on clay this year. Alcaraz won in Madrid, 6-1-6-2. But uh, Zverev's actually 3-2 and two in the head-to-head. They faced off two times in hardcore back in 2021 in Acapulco and in Vienna, and Zverev did win each of those in straight sets. And it doesn't mean anything, not really, because uh, Alcaraz was still a work in progress back then, and then he exploded in 2022 and 2023. So Alcaraz has gone up a level, and Zverev has looked close to 100% uh, post-injury, so I think Zverev's all the way back. But I would have initially easily taken Zverev to win a set in this match, and probably Alcaraz to win in four or five. However... With the amount of tennis that Zverev played, and he was the late match, too, on Monday night, I have questions if physically he'll be able to get back on track for this match, since Alcaraz will make him run around all the time, and you're going to see probably Zverev physically struggle in the later stages of this match. It's really tough to find value because I would lean to Zverev once again, keeping it close because my dog from the last episode was solely based on how Alcaraz has not done a great job of blowing out opponents and how he's kind of let his opponents hang around. But once again, fatigue is such a serious element in this match because Zverev even stated in the post-match press conference, he was on fumes for a decent portion of the match before he was able to get a second wind and deal with a battle of attrition against Sinner because he was cramping and Sinner was in worse physical shape than he was. And that's why Sin- that's why uh, Zverev won. But I just have too many questions about the overall fitness of Sinner for, uh, not Sinner, of Zverev for this match. I really don't see much that I really like in this matchup. Now, if I had to go with any prop here, I wish I could go with minus one and a half sets, but unfortunately the book that I'm looking at doesn't actually have that available at the moment. So I really don't have much to go with here, which is pretty annoying because this is going to be one of the most entertaining matches, at least to watch uh, on TV for the quarterfinals, but I really just don't see much. I- I'm looking at some props I might be tempted by. The over one and a half breaks in the first set is minus 163. I think that's appealing. The over and breaks is at six and a half. Zverev to break three or more times is even money. Alcaraz to break five or more times is minus 125. I think I would lean to the over on Alcaraz breaks because I do think that Zverev is not the greatest server. He's gotten better, but the second serve is still a problem. And with the fatigue, it would not shock me if Zverev, either mentally or physically, has serious issues holding late in this match. But I think Alcaraz minus one and a half sets is worth a look. The problem is, once again... I don't know what the value would be for that because I don't really have any other match with a similar price point where I can I could assume what the line would be. It's probably going to be like minus 200. So there's not much value on that either. I really don't have much for this because 
there's too much uncertainty regarding Zverev's fitness. And I think that Alcaraz is a better player than Zverev. So it's tricky. Zverev is going to lose this match. I'm not picking Zverev to win. That's a given. Now, the question is, do I think he can win a set? I think he can. I think if he's going to win a set, it has to be early. I don't think that you're going to end up seeing Alcaraz win a set or two, and then Zverev comes back and wins the third. I don't see that. I think, once again, Zverev's going to be exhausted after the second set, and that's where Alcaraz might break away. But maybe if you want to go for a prop here, you can go Alcaraz to win the first set and Alcaraz to win the match, and you might be able to cut into that juice. I want to see if that's available. Uh, Once again, I'm kind of digging, and the Alcaraz match ended pretty late, so I don't know how much I'm actually going to have available. But I do see it available... You can get Alcaraz to win the first set and the match at minus 176, which isn't great, but it's not horrible. I I think, once again, cutting in on the juice, that probably is the play I'm most interested in. Am I that interested in it? No. I wish it was a better price, but I think that Zverev should lose probably in three or four. If he had more time off or if he beat Sinner in straight sets, I would end up taking Alcaraz to win probably in four or five. But the fatigue is going to be a problem, and because of that, I have to at least point out that there is going to be a bit of a question mark regarding the, I'd say, overall bets that I like for this matchup, because I don't know how Zverev's going to look. But if you want some comparison here, Alcaraz to win the first set and the match is minus 330 on DraftKings, and it's minus 176 on FanDuel. So you're saving a dollar sixty basically by shopping around. So that is my favorite play on this match. But 176, it will not be in the lock dog portion of the match. But once again, that's going to wrap it up for the actual breakdowns of the quarterfinal matches on the men's side in the US Open. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before we get into any of that, I want to take a quick word from our sponsor. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, the good thing is the wait is over. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 in any NFL game. DraftKings hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All all customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app and see what you get. One DraftKings bet I'm tempted by right now in week one is the Commanders. Minus seven against the Cardinals. The Cardinals win now. are going to be a bottom feeder in the league. Probably going to win two or three games all season long. The Commanders, though, some room for optimism because they ended up getting the enemy on the sidelines. They also have Sam Howell as their quarterback, who showed some promise in the preseason. But you have a solid crowd. And with the Cardinals having no quarterback talent whatsoever and a really bad overall roster, the Commanders should be able to take advantage of the weakest team in the league in or out to a nice double-digit win at home. But once again, you can bet $5 on the Commanders minus 7 and get the $200 bonus bets deal that I was telling you about. But download the DraftKings app now and use code SGP to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just by betting $5. That's code SGP. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but buying tickets for sporting events in the past was very, very stressful. And I do think that it was really annoying to deal with for a long time until I found Game Time, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. And they have great features on the app, including the images of seat views. Maybe in the past, you wanted to actually go to a game and you bought a ticket, and then you realize when you got there, there's an obstruction. 
in your view, and you can't see a damn thing. Well, that's not going to happen with Game Time because they have the images of seat views feature, which means that you can click on a section and see the exact view you would get if you paid for the ticket. So you know to always avoid any obstructions in your line of view, which is definitely a nice little feature there that every platform should have. But looking at some other features that Game Time has, they also have the Game Time Guarantee, which means that they will give you the best price every time. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You actually make money by finding a cheaper ticket in a section uh, that's not on the Game Time app. So it's definitely a nice little bonus there. And once again, if you want to attend any sporting event, you should use the Game Time app. Snap the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Lots of tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Unrock Fantasy. Unrock has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two and five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats. Then do what you always do, which is watch football all Sunday long, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, but you can win real money. So watch alongside your favorite teams, make your picks, and even make some money on the side, underdogs with, uh, with Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Free Roll Football Contest. Free season-long NFL Pick'em Contest, $1,000 for first place, $500 for second place. If you're a Patreon member for the NFL season, your prizes double to $2,000 and $1,000 respectively. Plus, if a Patreon member wins the Free Roll Football Contest, they'll also get an autographed full-size Sports Gaming Podcast helmet, which includes guests like Joe Theismann, Bill Romanowski, Pac-Man Jones, John Sally, Eric Metcalf, and LeGarrette Blunt. All that autograph. Once again, if you end up winning in your Patreon member, sign up. Link is in the SGPN app, sportscampodcast.com slash Patreon, to get in for your chance to double your prizes and win the weekly Patreon pickups. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the quarterfinal matchups in the U.S. Open. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock for the show, I am going to go to the late match on Tuesday. I'm going to look at Shelton and Tiafo, and I am going to go with the over 38 and a half games at minus 130 as my lock. Simply put, both players are very good servers, and both players can have problems returning at times. Tiafo's return numbers are good in this event, but he has not faced off against any elite servers, and Shelton's not a great returner in general. But 38 and a half feels a bit low. If you're expecting at least one breaker, which I am, and at least four sets, which I am, then you're kind of guaranteed an over. So I think, once again, you're looking at two very good servers, 88% each for hold rate in this event. I see a marathon breaking out. I think you're going to see each player showcase their firepower, showcase their great serving, and you're going to see some ups and downs in general with form from each guy. And I think, as a result, you might see some ebbs and flows that maybe result in a five-set marathon. But I think it's going to go at least four with a breaker. And with that being the case, you have a lot of insurance to get over this 38 and a half. So give me the over 38 and a half as my lock. And for my dog, it was a choice between two matches. It was either the Djokovic-Fritz match or the Medvedev and Rublev match. I think for this one, I am going to go with the Medvedev and Rublev match. I'm going to go with Medvedev to win and each player to win a set. And that pays out a plus 150 on Caesars. Simply put, you're looking at Medvedev doing well in the head-to-head. -head, and you're looking at the recent matchups 
Rublev has given Medvedev some problems. He's actually won two of the three head-to-head matchups, uh, the last three. Beat him in Cincinnati in 2021. That one went three. Beat him in the ATP Finals last year. That did go three. Medvedev did beat him comfortably in Dubai in the final. But you're looking at Rublev. He has gone to four sets in each of the last three rounds. Medvedev has gone to four sets in two of the last three rounds. And he did go to a 7-6 it was 8-6 scoreline in the final set breaker against Baez. He was down a break in that set, too. So Medvedev, I think, is going to win. However, I do have to point out that Medvedev has also had some mental lapses, and he's been annoyed with the crowd, which has gone into his head on various occasions. But I think with these guys being friendly with each other and with them knowing each other from even juniors, I do think that you're going to see a pretty close match. Medvedev, I think, will win. Because I think that with the, once again, slow speed of the courts, it's going to benefit Medvedev. But I think Rublev will break through for one set. And I do think that Medvedev will be able to break through for probably three sets in this match. So once again, the lock and all picks for the show. The lock is going to be on Shelton and Tiafo over 38 and a half games at minus 130. And the dog will be Medvedev Moneyline plus each player to win a set at plus 150. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back once again for the semifinals in the U.S. Open. Find me on Twitter, at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the MLB show, WNBA show, the NFL show. Reminder, NFL season is starting on a Thursday, so get excited for that. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.